That's good stuff. Won't you give Jesus another hand of praise this morning, church? Amen. 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 While they're coming down, Miss Connie will play for us, Miss Terry, and this time our children's church will meet over to the left. You're right, my left, at the Welcome Center. And Miss Misty's going that way. Miss Katie's going to meet them. So y'all take your time from the balcony all around to get ready for children's church. Amen. While they're uh, making their way, I'll invite you to turn your copy of God's Word to the New Testament book of 2 John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, Revelation, almost to the end of your New Testament. 2 John, and we'll pick up in verse 1. So we'll give just a moment for transition from the choir and children's church, and we'll open God's Word together and just see what He has to say to us today. Amen. Remember, a preacher told me a long time ago, every time you open the Word of God, it's like you're reading a love letter from your Heavenly Father. Amen? I've still got a box at my house that nobody knows I have except me, I think. But it's a box, and it's got a bunch of love letters in it. You know, youngins, we didn't have a text, a phone, or none of that kind of stuff. So we had to write down our thoughts. That's a novel idea. Amen? But I've got some love letters from my sweetheart and I kept them. You know what? She still loves me after all that time. Amen. My little boogie woogie. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that, but I just, uh, you know, when you're an ADD person and you have a random thought, you can just blame it on that. Amen. Told you I've been tested and certified. I mean, I got paperwork to prove. I've got attention deficit disorder. And, uh, they didn't need paperwork when I went to school because I could drift off like old Travis Tread. I could drift off to dream with the best of them. Amen. But anyhow, uh, it's good to worship God, isn't it? You know, I had this lady years ago tell me, you know, I just believe in just honoring God and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe anybody has to do what I do. And I don't believe I have to do what you do. It's not a legalistic thing. But if I feel the Lord move upon my heart to just stand and lift my heart, heart and hands and head toward heaven I'm just going to do it that lady years ago said we've never had a pastor do like you do I said yeah it shows <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> but anyhow I, I told y'all I wasn't as polished back in those days that was a long time ago I wouldn't dare say nothing like that now would I oh, oh yeah amen no I said uh, you know it's the thing is is we just when we get to glory friends I want you to know there's going to be a celebration happening I mean, it's going to be a celebration like we have never experienced. I, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And I'm grateful that I'm headed to glory. And if you're headed to glory and you've trusted Christ as Savior, I'm grateful to know I'm going to spend eternity with you. But if you've not, today is your day. You no longer have to walk in the shackles of sin, guilt, and shame. You can come to Jesus and be forever changed through that mighty name we just sang about. Amen. Second John in your New Testament, getting verse 1, if you found your place in physically able, stand with me in honor and reverence the reading of God's Word. And as always, uh, the words will be on the screen. It's a very short one chapter. So let's just read it together. Amen. The Bible says these words, says the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth and not only I, but also those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. 
Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as you received the commandment from the Father. Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments, and this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world and who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh this is a deceiver and an antichrist look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we work for but that we may receive a full reward whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would take your word that it would fall upon fertile soil today. And God, that your word would take root in our hearts and that we would be forever challenged and changed by our being in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you and be seated. I'm speaking to you today on this journey through Second John. When I, years ago, had the privilege to go to New Orleans Seminary and Tennessee Temple University and Carolina University, I had the privilege of taking multiple classes on many things and it prepared me for a lot of things but there's so many things that will only be prepared for by being on the job. But some of the things we took and some of the classes we took were called surveys. They were Old Testament survey. There was a New Testament survey. There was a survey of surveys, you know, kind of like committee on committees in the Baptist church. It was, there was always survey but there were also classes we took that were more of an analytical form and not just a survey many of those were Old Testament interpretation classes and things where you really had to go very deep and not just look at the surface of what we would normally see by the help of God today I'm going to try to just make a survey of 2 John and some things we'll look at a little closer than others but honestly we could spend quite a bit of time right here in this book, I want to spend some time on this book this week and then next week on 3 John. See, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to write five books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and of course, the Revelation. See, the shortest of these five will be our focus today and of course, Lord willing, next week. They are the shortest in your New Testament, shortest in the Word of God. They contain fewer than 300 words in the original Greek text. And this epistle along with 3 John are often neglected epistles. They're often overlooked, but they are filled with wisdom, instruction, and insight for the people of God to learn much from. 2 John addresses both the heart as well as the mind, not just one of those, but both. And it also addresses just as well love and truth. As we approach the words of this epistle, here's what I want to do. I want to strongly encourage you today 
I want to strongly encourage each of you to just open your heart to God. Open your mind to God. Try to get free of the things that would hinder you today so that you could receive God's word as a clear admonition from the Apostle John who was a man who was intimately close with the Lord Jesus during his earthly ministry. He was in the inner circle, he along with Peter and James. John being referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved and the only disciple referred to and John being the one who was present at Calvary when he was crucified. When you read this letter, you will see how his heart burns and his heart burns with love for the church and his heart burns for love for the Lord Jesus and the church because of how much the church meant to Christ. And as the Holy Spirit leads him to pour out his heart to the people of God, you can sense the passion with which he writes. God uses the Apostle John to write to us very clearly about some of the essentials of the Christian life. Essentials, things that must be a part of your life to live the victorious Christian life. So as we take this journey together, the first thing I want you to notice with me is is he gives two major admonitions and the first is is that he would be diligent <coughs> to walk in truth. He is sharing this clearly as he writes in these opening verses. The word truth appears five times in the first four verses of this letter. You say, well, what's so important about that? Well, I can remember learning things in school, like simple things like ABCs, and then you learn how to add, subtract, and then you learn your multiplication tables. Let me ask you this. When you learned your multiplication tables in school, I don't even know if they teach this anymore, but when you did, did you just do them one time and the teacher said, good job, you're done, move on to something else? No, 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 I, I can remember many times doing repetitive things over and over and over. When you learned to write the alphabet, you wrote those letters over and over and over. And when we used to learn, us old people, when we learned how to write in cursive, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't just learn how to do that just on a whim. We did that over and over and over until we got the right. Now, I used to form letters correctly. Now, I'm just like y'all, just make lines and make it whatever I want it to be, right? But nevertheless, the repetition of this word reflects the importance of recognizing, accepting, and embracing the truth of the word of God that is to guide our daily living. When words are spoken repetitiously, it is for emphasis so that you would get the impact for which the Holy Spirit is speaking from the word of God. See, ignoring the fact of truth does not discount nor cancel its reality. So as we talk about being diligent in the walk of truth, notice a few things with me if you would. Notice verses 1 through 3 how John writes about the vital development of truth. Do you remember when Jesus was before Pilate? You remember when Pilate was trying to please the people and trying to, you know, just and just you know, kind of making back and forth and being kind of soupy spine and lily livered? Y'all remember that? There was a point in John 18, 38 where he asked the question, what is truth? Wow. Here's what his question reflected. 
It reflects the view of the world not only then, but it reflects the view of the world that we live in today. Many people reject the existence of truth and declare that truth cannot really be known. Did you know that? Do you have people in your workplace, maybe in your neighborhoods, or even people in your church that struggle with accepting the fact of absolute truth and its existence? Well, before we move any further, let's define what absolute truth is. And I got this from Josh McDowell, who's a great apologist, and he said this. He said, absolute truth, <coughs> excuse me, is that which is true for all people, for all times, and for all places. It is truth that is objective, universal, and constant. That is a good definition of absolute truth. So I went a little further in Brother McDowell's studies and I found a book of his that I had that was copyrighted in 1994. Now keep that date in your mind as I share with you what he said. In 1994, he said this, our children are being raised in a society that has largely rejected the notions of truth and morality. A society that has somewhere lost the ability to decide what is true and what is right. Truth has become a matter of taste. Morality has been replaced by individual preference. 1994, let me just remind you again. The best I can add that up, that was 29 years ago. 28 years ago. Look at that, Ray. I was went to White Plains for a second then, okay? 28 years ago, okay? Just seeing if y'all listen, all right? But when I read that statement, right, here's what it did. David, listen to me. It intrigued me to just keep reading. I'm thinking, wait a minute. This was almost three decades ago. And he goes on and he gave some stats, and you need to know that. 1994. In 1994, 70% of the students in that generation claimed that absolute truth does not exist and that all truth is relative. Most of them say that everything in life is negotiable and that nothing can be known for certain except the things that you experience in your own life. If you didn't experience it, it isn't real, right? Look here. In other words, they don't believe anything can be defined as right and wrong. 70% almost three decades ago. Fast forward to 2020. Pew Research determined this, that of 18 to 29-year-olds, only 15% believe that there are clear standards of right and wrong. Wait a minute. The 70 is going to 85 now. 85% of young people who are graduating our high schools, going to our universities, leaving our youth ministries and our Sunday school and our local churches and the influence of the Word of God. Here's what they're doing. They're going out to a world and they're buying into a belief that there is no clear standard of right and wrong. 26% believe this, that right or wrong depends on your situation. See, some of you behave differently based on who you're around. Oh, I knew this was going to get quiet today. Me and Lord woke up stay late early this morning praying over this because look here. Some of you behave differently based on your, who you're around. You behave differently 
behave differently based on your geographical location or where you are or who has the greatest amount of influence over you. 15% Pew Research said of 18, 29 year olds Remember, 15 said there's no such thing as true. 26% it depends on your situation. 15% said we don't know and we don't care. Wow. See, regardless of the statistics, here's what I want to boldly yet very humbly submit to you today, that God has given us a clear, absolute standard of truth from his word and whether you accept it, reject it, set it on fire, stomp it, whatever you want to do, you will not cancel out the fact that God's word has given us an absolute standard of truth, holiness, and righteousness. May I submit to you even further today that this book that I hold in my hand today that I just read a moment ago, May I submit to you that it is God's holy written word. I submit to you today that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ who is the living word of God who became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I submit to you today that I am guided by the indwelling Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth, who spoke the word of God into the hearts of God's holy men who pinned it down on paper for us to read today and I submit to you today that I am a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ I've been bought with the precious blood of Calvary I've been cleansed from my sin I've been made righteous in the eyes of God I've been adopted into the family of God I've been accepted in the beloved of God and I believe that the church is still the pillar of ground and truth Oh, listen to me, church. We must remain steadfast. We must remain immovable. We must guard. We must uphold. And we must proclaim the truth of God's word until he comes and takes us home to glory. Don't let this world set your agenda. Don't let your buddies set your agenda. Don't let the place you are set your agenda. Put your place in the word of God. Put your faith in the son of God and live your life for the glory of God regardless of the cause. Glory to God. Church, hear me today. I don't stand before you somebody that doesn't care about you. I stand before you as somebody that deeply loves you. I don't stand before you as somebody that'll tell you get yourself out of the ditch. I stand before you as somebody that'll come get in the ditch with you and get you out. And I still believe that the church is relevant in this culture. So as John writes, the Holy Spirit directs him to write to. I know this is intriguing to you. You probably got it. He said, you need to write to the elect lady and her children. Now there are a couple of views on what this means and I'm going to share both of them with you and share with you where I'm at. There's one view that says that this lady represents a local church. But there's a problem with that view. The problem is, is that this view does not give us the biblical picture of the church because you are not a child of the church. Ain't you glad of that? No, no, look here. When you are born again and saved by the grace of God, you become a child of God. You become a part of the family of God. 
you are not a child of the church. So you become a child of God, not a child of the church. So there's a little bit of a problem with that view. So there's a second view. The second view is, is that John is writing to a specific woman, which I believe is far more correct theologically. He writes to her and refers to her as the elect lady. That word means a chosen lady, a special person, and her children. See, evidently she's a Christian lady who is deeply devoted to the Lord. She, hey, look here, let me help you ladies. Let me help you. She didn't come to serve Jesus to fit in. She realized he called her to stand out. This lady stands out. Look here. So as she stands out, devoted to God, John there, he commends her for the way she's bringing up her children. Well, if you ever get accused as a parent for being a person who brings your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you hug that person's neck that told you that and thank God for the testimony he gave you and don't ever apologize. She brought them up and taught them the truth of the word of God and now they're maturing in their relationship with God. Listen to me. It is very important that you do not only impart the word of God to your children, but you implant the word of God in your children. I need to help y'all. Let me be y'all for a minute. That is absolutely true. I think you need to say it again. It is vitally important that you don't just impart the word of God to your children, but you implant the word of God in your children and make no apology for doing it. I mean, there's people that tell me all the time, Brent, more people would come to the Heflin Baptist if you'd just take it easy, if you'd just pull it back a little bit, if you'd just accept things and, and quit being such a Bible-thumping preacher, to which I say thank you very much. I had this lady tell me one time, she said, you're just an old hardcore Southern Baptist. I said, well, thank you. Anybody? No, 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 I'm not a hardcore Southern Baptist. I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God. He's given me this holy word, and if I back off and I don't tell you the truth in all counsel of God, I don't love you, I don't care for you, I'm just trying to coddle you and pet you and make you like me. I'd much rather you be right with God Anything else under the sun? Anything. Very important. Notice the visible display of truth. Huh? I got to talk fast. <laughs> Three references to our walk in verses 4, 5, and 6. Our walk, let me tell you what your walk is it is a visible display of what you really believe. I learned years ago from Warren Wiersbe that belief determines behavior. What you really believe will be manifest in how you behave. I, I've seen that displayed over and over. And we see that as children come up. We see that in the lives of adults. We see that in the lives of people we love. And what you really believe will determine how you behave. But notice this too. The word commandment is used four times in three verses. Let me say this to you about commandments. Commandments are not suggestions. I can remember this very well. Miss Sonia, you're going to be so shocked that I remember this. Okay. We learned about sentences in school. I really learned this from Sally Wood because she scared me that if I didn't learn it, she'd kill me. 
until God I died. Some of y'all having flashbacks right now. Y'all got hair standing up on your neck going, oh gosh. No, I learned that out of fear, okay? But I learned that there are declarative sentences which make a statement. I learned that there are interrogative sentences which ask a question. I even learned that fancy Greek word onomatopoeia. And the only way I remembered that was from like Batman, like bam, wham, you remember? I was told y'all I was brilliant. But anyhow, he, <laughs> y'all lighten up, okay? <laughs> Look at, but I learned there's another kind of sentence. It's called an imperative sentence. And an imperative sentence is not a suggestion sentence. It's not asking a question. It's not making a statement. It is giving you a command. Right. Wow. We're, we're learning here today. Commands are not suggestions. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions for happy, deeper life. The Ten Commandments are not obsolete. As old preacher said, they're still absolute. Friend, I want you to hear me today. It is important we understand when God's Word gives us command, He is not asking us if we're okay with it. When I was growing up, I'd get up in the summer and there'd be a list of stuff on the table for me to do. My daddy didn't leave that list of stuff. He didn't write it. He told my mama to write it. My mama wrote it because I couldn't read his writing. But anyhow, that's a whole other story. But when he came in, he expected and anticipated that all the things on that list would be done. And if they were not, guess who paid the price? But guess who decided that the price of getting the work done was not as painful as the price of rejecting the command? Amen? I can remember Angie and I were dating. It was probably summer before our senior year. I'd forgot to do something one day. My mother called me and said, hey, you know, you guys, you're I mean, I was fixing to be a senior in high school. I said, Angie, you got to go help me. She said, what? I said, get you some old clothes on. I said, what for? I said, if you ever want to see me again, we got to go get this done. <laughs> Remember that? We raked some grass, didn't we? You know what, man? I tell you what, I hated raking grass. Did y'all's daddy make y'all rake grass? What's the dumbest thing in the world? Just keep running over that stuff and chop it into oblivion. <laughs> chop it out in the street. Put it in the neighbor's yard. I mean, do something with it. I used to hate raking grass. You know what? I don't rake grass anymore. You get you that zero turn Kubota and you just before you know it, them leaves are nothing. You they're like dust. You can't rake them up. And I used to hate to roll up the water hose. Better roll up that hose, boy. I hated to roll up water hose. So when Angie and I first got married, you know what I did one time, right? I took the whole water hose and flung it out in the yard. Just let it lay there. I stood out there and I said, this looks great. The, guard, the hose pipe is just laying in the yard and I love it. <laughs> but you know what I quickly figured out? There was a purpose behind rolling up that water hole. Because the next day I had looked like a snake in my yard where it had killed the grass. Which I was all for poisoning it all anyhow. But it just, no, no. When God gives us commandments, he means it. Now look here, here's what John said. He said, some of your children are walking in truth. And that brought him a lot of joy. But look here, he didn't say all, did he? He said some. So if some were walking in truth, what does that mean? Some weren't. 
the Apostle Jude, when he wrote his 25 verse one chapter letter right before Revelation. He said this in those opening verses. He said, I wanted to write to you concerning our common salvation. You know what he's wanting to do? He's wanting to write a hallelujah letter. Oh, but the Holy Ghost got involved there and said, wait a minute. Even though you want to write on this, here's what the Holy Spirit directed him saying. You must plead with the brethren to contend for the faith. Hear me, church, and hear me clearly. It is in this hour, it is in this time, in this point in church history that we must contend for the faith. We must contend for the truth. We must live by the commands of the Word of God and not be ashamed what it does or what it costs us. Just keep being God's people. Danny Aiken said this, he said, wrong thinking inevitably leads to wrong living. He said, if the mind is confused, the heart will be corrupted. Are y'all with me today? Anybody still with me? If the mind is confused, the heart will be corrupted. Right thinking, however, is the right soul for which emerges the fruit of right living. If you want to live right, you got to get your heart right and you got to think right. God help us. Let me give you one more today. Not only would be diligent to walk in truth, but there's a second admonition, and that is to be aware of the distortion of truth. Now, I'm going to talk real fast here for the next little bit because i got to get this in. Be aware of the distortion of truth. Real quick. Verse 7 teaches us that deception is clearly defined. Did you see it? For there are many deceivers. Y'all believe that? Turn your TV on this afternoon. Those health and wealth people that tell you that if you're right with God, you'll have plenty of money and you'll never be sick. And that if you're sick and broke, you're not right with God. I'm telling you right now, that is of the devil if I've ever seen it. And you, you look here, you can't pass that off to the Apostle Paul. Uh-uh. He was shipwrecked and everything else, but he was right with God. Deception is clearly defined that deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Let me talk real quick. Deceivers means wanderers. Y'all know what a wanderer does? Has no direction, no purpose in life. In John's day, it was the very roots of the belief of Gnosticism that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. But here's what wanderers do. They wander far from the truth of Scripture, they corrupt the Scripture, and they lead others astray from it. They are imposters. Jude talks a whole lot about that too, but I tell you, kind of funny. My favorite. Every time I hear the word imposter, I think about my favorite Christmas movie, Elf. <laughs> Y'all have watched it. When my girls were little, when it came out, it was kind of insulting to my intelligence, but now it's hilarious, right? One of my favorite parts of that movie, if you've watched this, well, no. Buddy, he's so excited. Have you ever seen anybody more excited about Christmas than Buddy the Elf? He was so excited about Christmas, and he got over there in that department store, and they were going to get Santa pictures and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, 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 that's not the real guy right there. No, that's not him. And he goes up to him, and he looks at him, and he smells him. Told him he smelled like beef and cheese. Y'all remember that? And the guy who's dressed up like Santa, who's definitely not the real deal, he's like, uh, go on, man, go on. He's, man, you smell like beef and cheese. You, you're, you sit on a throne of lies and all this kind of stuff. And then finally he pulls the, the beard and it comes off. It's fake. 
and he screams out across the whole department store, he's an imposter! <laughs> I might go home and watch that this afternoon. I'm gonna... <laughs> he said, he's an... here's what he announced to the entire department store, was that the person there was pretending to be someone that he's not. Oh, church. Being a, putting on this sport coat and walking up these steps, standing behind a pulpit, does not make me a man of God. It, it does not do one thing to convince anybody that I'm a man of God. I'll tell you what will make the convincing will be is what happens when I leave this pulpit and walk among people and among sheep in this dirty world for the next six days. Amen. If you're going to be a shepherd, you've got to smell like sheep. Amen? I want to tell you right now, i got the smell of sheep all over me this week. Amen? And I, you know what? And there's not a week goes by. It's not that true. It's not that, you know, if I, everybody's like, well, I want to know what, what this, what, what. I'm just telling you right now, there are so many opportunities and so many people hurting and so many people crying and so many people burdened and so many people in despair. We would be surprised the numbers of people who need to hear the truth and not be deceived. But we live in a world full of deceivers and deception is being defined right before our eyes. People are wandering because they're following wanderers. It's the second thing. Deception causes digression. What do you tell them? Look to yourselves that you do not lose the things we work for. You know what he was telling them? Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart. Listen to me. What's in your heart will come out of your mouth. Jesus said that, right? And he said this. You need to remember where you've been. You need to remember where you've been. Had a man talk to him the other day. I've known him all my life, and he told me, I guess Bobby, he's around your age. He told me first job he ever had, he got paid fifty cents an hour. That sound about right? You're, you're fifty cents an hour. Now, get me wrong, things were cheaper then, but still, fifty cents an hour wasn't a lot of money. Worked hard for that fifty cents an hour, and yet this man went on and had a great career. He's retired now, and he's like, you know, I never forgot where I started. I can't tell you the times my mind goes back to those little group, 12 people counting Angie and Caitlin and me in that first little church there at Center West. There were 12 people on November the 14th, 1993. And I remember walking to there to the pulpit and I remember preaching from Amos chapter 8, verse 11, telling them, look, there's a famine in the land. It's not a famine of thirst of water or a filling of bread, but there is a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. Can I tell you that now, fast forward almost three decades later, the famine is still with us even though there's a whole lot of preaching going on there's a whole lot of proclaiming going on there's still more deception going on oh it does never lose sight of where you've been but can I tell you this church let's don't lose sight of where we're going notice with me also that deception creates denial he uses the word transgresses. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. That word transgress means this. To go beyond the established bound. Last Sunday, or whatever, the first Sunday when I had uh, Kate's dog with us when they was on vacation, that Jinx, the Belgian Malinois, wonderful dog. The first day, she wasn't real sure where she's at, so she takes off down the road on Sunday morning. 
and I had to bring her back. And I pulled up there and I said, through this week or you can die this week. It's a, you know, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But what I did is I explained to her, I said, we used to have a sheriff here. Her name was Mo. And Mo was in charge of the grounds, and Mo knew the perimeter. Mo never left the perimeter unless I did. I mean, she constantly patrolled. She kept every squirrel, every rabbit, every raccoon, and every stray dog. She kept them away. I'm telling you, nobody, big or small, she ran them all off. I said, and what I need you to do, since Mo's not here anymore, is I need you to take over Mo's duties for the next week. So I'm going to expect you to not leave this perimeter again because I need you to know where the boundaries are. Can I tell you, this is the smartest dog I've ever seen in my life. She did not leave the boundary again for the rest of the week. A dog. I can walk to this pulpit and I can say to you, church, here's the boundaries. Here's what God says stay away from. Here's what God says run toward. Here's what God says flee from. Here's what God says to follow after. And you know what we do? Yeah. Church is over. Check. Go away unchanged. It didn't affect how we lived and didn't affect the decisions we made. Can I tell you that that is a transgressor who has gone beyond the established bounds? Notice the transgressors tend to also lead people who will also follow them beyond the bounds past the truth to believe a lie. The boundaries sometimes it you or I once held high no longer will matter when we reject the truth and we embrace a lie. And notice finally, deception cancels joy. You know why so many Christians today don't have any joy? I mean, nobody bounces off the ceiling all the time. We all have bad days. Sometimes we have bad weeks. Sometimes we struggle with things. We all do. And I'm not saying you can't ever have a bad day. You can't ever struggle because we're all struggling. But I am here to tell you that when you live a life of deception and when you go beyond the established bounds and you begin to believe a lie instead of the truth and you follow after wanderers to give you direction, here's what happens. Your joy will be canceled. He said this. You know what John said? I'm right to you. You know what he said? Oh, I really want to come look at you. I remember in the early days of the pandemic when nine weeks in a row, me and Steve, man, we're right here. We're, we're trying to stay connected. We're the best we knew how, but you know what? I remember telling Steve many weeks, I said, Steve, it can't go on like this forever. People need to interact with one another. And I know, you know what? It's not going away. We're going to have to deal with it. I don't like it no more than you do. And if you turn on the TV and you listen to too much of that, you will eventually have your joy stolen. But look here, here's what he said. He said, I want to come speak face to face to you that your joy might be full. Let me leave you with this. The scripture says in the book of Psalms that in his presence, the Lord's presence, is the fullness of joy. Here's the good news. The good news is this, that on this side we still can experience joy. But can I tell you, the joy on this side is very minute compared to the joy we will experience when we see him face to face. <laughs> now I'm telling y'all what, 
I, I mean, I'm I will probably have a running spell like y'all have never seen. And here's the thing. I'm going to weigh about 165 pounds. <laughs> I'm probably going to run a 32540. I mean, they probably won't even have a clock to catch. The clock won't matter no more. And you know what? And you'll probably be all gathered up there. I know what y'all be doing. Y'all get to heaven and y'all bust out your casserole dishes and y'all have some fried chicken. And, 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 and all of a sudden, here's what's going to happen. This blur is going to come by you. <laughs> 3.25 90 miles an hour it's going to come blazing by you stirring up dust like the Tasmanian devil and somebody's going to look around and say what was that here's what Bobby's going to say I just print <laughs> well where's he going I guess he hadn't got to Jesus yet because <laughs> that's where he's headed now we all know truthfully that's just a hypothetical joke of a story truthfully we will see him because he is the light of the city. There's no need of a sun or moon because he's the light of the city. And we will see him as he is. But I'm here to tell you that if we're going to have that much joy there, God meant for us to have some here. And if you want joy, you've got to stay free from the deceiver. Quit following the wanderers. And then when you get there, you will experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. Church, hear me. He loves you. I love you because he first loved me. And he sent me here to tell you today how much he loves you. And he sent me here to tell you today that if you're wandering, if you're walking at a guilty distance, if, you, if you've begun to behave other than what you profess you believe, listen to me. The lifeline of the gospel is being cast out there. Grab a hope to it. Come to Jesus. And let's see God bring revival to this community. Let's see God birth a revival in this community that would spread beyond that great things could be Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, how I'm thankful for your word. You know how it challenges me in my own relationship with you to be sure that I'm walking right, talking right, I'm leading right. God, today, may the sweet Spirit of God move so freely. May lives be forever changed at this invitation today. And may pride nor the devil himself hinder us from leaving here right with you today. God, I love you. I don't know why you love me, but I'm so glad you do. And may every person here today know how much you love them. God, do what only you can do right now. I pray you draw your net. I pray you draw weary souls to the fold. Lives would be changed. The church would have joy. We could celebrate the good grace of God. 
pray it all in Jesus' name. Heads about eyes are closed. Here's the invitation today. Marty's going to lead us in just a moment. We'll stand. But if God spoke to you today, friend, hear me. It's not for me and it's not for anybody else. It's for you and for his glory. If God has spoke to you about things that need to be right, would you come make them right? If God has spoke to you about struggles you have that you don't know the answer, would you come bring it to him? If God has spoke to you about decisions in your life as a Christian, would you honor him? Maybe you just lost your joy. Maybe some people, worry, some things, some circumstances are stealing your joy. Would you come to Jesus today? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And I plead with you to honor God. Father, on this invitation, we give you glory. And we pray every decision will honor you. In Christ's name. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. Marty, you lead us. As Marty leads us and as the Spirit of God speaks to you, I want to invite you to honor the Lord today. Sing when you're ready.
with Marty. As God speaks to your heart, sing this. seated guys if y'all hold just a minute there please if y'all hold just for a minute let me borrow your microphone just for a minute mark uh, <clears throat> i got a sweet lady wants to share something with you as you know we've been praying for miss linda for many weeks and she just like to share with you a few words Wonderful. Give Miss Linda. Thank you, Miss Linda. Thank you so much. Hey, you know, it's, uh, I, it's always great to celebrate victories. Church, we need to do that every victory. Some of you have been through the same course that Miss Linda has been through and have received the same results, and some not. But you know what? There is still victory and healing in the name of the Lord. Amen. And I thank God, whether it's radiation, chemotherapy, or oral medication, or whatever they use, the knowledge to do those things came from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. Amen. So we praise God for that. Amen. I'm thankful. Thank you, Miss Linda, for having the courage, because it does. I've, I've been doing this a long time, but standing in front of people is, is still tough, and it takes a lot of courage. But to, when you say the Holy Spirit leads you, 
We know what it's like. We, we've all said, are you sure? <laughs> and we all have, and we, but we are so grateful. We celebrate with you, and thank you for sharing your story of triumph and victory uh, this morning, okay? Our men are coming to receive a morning tithes and offerings, and as they're coming, I want to encourage you to be faithful as always. Uh, there's a couple of things I will mention too, just... Uh, uh, you ladies had a great time this weekend. I've heard great reports. Uh, I heard y'all want to sing this song called One, Two, Three, Four. Is that thing right? Okay. I heard, I heard y'all only sung it 42 times. And, yeah, but nevertheless, uh, I said, uh, nevertheless, I know y'all had a great time and great teaching and encouragement. And, and I, I'm so thankful for y'all doing that and putting that together. So do remember that. But let's give from our hearts today, church. Let's don't give God what's left over, let's give Him what's right. Give him our best. Let's give him what is holy, the tithe, and the offering is holy to him. So let's give to the Lord today through our church because he's going to use this church to touch the world. He already is in big ways, but it's only just the beginning. Amen? So let's pray and join our hearts together and ask God's blessings on our giving. Father God, I come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the proclamation of your word. Lord, I thank you for your word and, and the truth that it is. Lord, we, we read your word, we've studied your word, we've heard your word proclaimed. Lord, but help us to live your word. Lord, help us to live like we believe that it is the absolute truth, not only in these walls, but outside these walls. Lord, we thank you for the praise report that we heard this morning, Lord, and your faithfulness to heal those. Lord, we pray for the ones that are hurting this morning, Lord, that need a touch from you, that's got a lot of things going on in their life, Lord. red sheet you'd like to volunteer this week or next week just drop that in the plate when it comes by thank you Before we dismiss today, don't forget this afternoon, 3 o'clock, is the RC Radio Control Ministries meeting out at Cahoga Creek. They're going to probably jump some stuff and blow up some stuff and everything else. But anyhow, uh, they're going to have a great time, Tim and Steve, some of those guys leading that. So make sure make a point for that. 
And uh, please, I didn't mention earlier, I just want to wait to the end, but please pray for Miss Jeannie Rigsby and her family, Randy and Lord, all the family, the boys. Uh, pray for them, of course, the loss of Reed this weekend. And just pray for their days ahead. We don't know anything far as the Rangers yet. There's still some things going on that will take some time. So do pray for them. Um, it's always sad when a young life is taken. And uh, we just pray that um, God would be a great comfort to them in their hour of need. You know, I think about these water bottles. I remember when I first came here, we were doing renovation, and I said, you know, we just need to put a refrigerator water bottles, get rid of these uh, water fountains because they stay tore up all the time, and they're not very sanitary too. And if we'd have had them, the pandemic would have knocked them out. Amen. We'd have been covered in trash bags. But let me tell you about these water bottles. When I walk through here on Mondays sometimes, you know what? You won't believe this, but there's usually a few left in the pews, Keith. You know? <laughs> but they say, Preacher, does that make you mad? No. Because here's what I do. When I find an empty water bottle in the trash, before I, in the pew, before I take it to the trash, you know what I do? I thank God there was somebody here to drink it. Amen? See, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a country club, folks. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say, you know what, God? There was somebody that took a drink of that water, and I just pray they left here with a drink of your living water. So if you leave your bottle today, here's what's probably going to happen tomorrow. Your preacher's going to pray for you. <laughs> Because I say, God, I don't know who had this bottle, but you do. You know all things. And God, wherever they're at today, bless them. So y'all all probably leave them in the pew today, so I'll pray for you tomorrow. But no, I, I want you to know, hey, when you get your head right, your heart right with God, and you get a biblical worldview, lens of scripture, you quit seeing the church as a huddle, and you see it as an army mobilized to touch the world. Now here's what I want you to do. We leave this place, we're going into a world that does not accept absolute truth. Be an agent of change, be an absolute of absolute truth, and don't ever apologize for standing and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You know why? He loves you, and I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Stand with me, and let's sing uh, together. Marty's going to dismiss us. There is strength in the name of the Lord. There is power.